I like that. That looks good. Let me buy that. <laughs> Great market. <laughs> Which it's what it should be because no snake holds any more value. Like they have zero value. They're all just snakes, right? This is From the Ground Up, the story of me starting my reptile business. We are now live. On both Facebooks and Instagram. Oh, yeah. What will we be talking about today? Um, Well, I suggested just talking about the selling process as a whole. (laughs) <laughs> Deciding when to sell them and when's the best time, how to negotiate a price, where's a good place to put your snakes online, um, making sure you like the person who's buying it and you trust that they're not going to kill your snake, all that good stuff. Okay, so That's I just want to talk about my personal experience <laughs> doing this stuff. I don't sell a lot of snakes as far as like I've never had so many numbers that I've had to go much more than like I've done some auctions and I've done some online stuff like not as much as mm-hmm. you know a lot of other people out there I've done you know I vended one show but not for myself I worked at a booth so I can't tell you like exactly how okay, that well, goes, but that's, can, that's like general retail, and I know buyer's experience and seller's experience. We'll do it from the buying side of you, like, how, what do you, you know, how do you go into it? Right, yeah, and I also just wanted to preface it by, like, negotiating stuff like that. Um, my experience with that is outside of snakes. Oh, okay. So just the way that I learned that is I was a uh, logistics broker, so I essentially... We ran like, say, 20 lanes a day and I would have to call trucking companies and try to get truckers to do our lanes for us. So that included negotiating prices every day. So Mm -hmm. I would be doing like, you know, there would be some weeks where I'd be doing 50 to like 75 negotiations a day Okay. to run lanes for us so they would ship our products. So as far as sales and negotiations that's where I'm coming from in that end. But also I feel like it's different in a professional setting than sometimes snakes, snake business can get a little bit hairy because it's not always professional. And how you negotiate. Right. Not only how you negotiate, just everything as far as um, the selling process goes. Meaning there's some things that are normal in the business of snakes that aren't wouldn't be quite normal to say what are you talking about what's not normal in the snake selling business well everything is kind of negotiable to a certain extent as far as there's times of the year when things are going to be more negotiable there's you only produce snakes once a year pretty much and it is kind of weird because the biggest, one of the biggest selling seasons is tax season and everyone <laughs> gets, uh, you know, money to buy snakes, but your babies are you not most likely out. are breeding in winter or in spring. Oh. So your babies were born Back in the in, summer yeah. pretty much. So it's kind of a weird disconnect 
to where right now, like when I'm like, I've purchased animals and luckily they're like 2016. So they're pretty well started. Uh-huh. So that's what's different is that you are dependent on seasons most of the time. To when your product when you're buying, is available. Or, okay, when, you're, when you have snakes to sell is depending on the seasons. Right. So you're going to see a lot of high dollar animals not go until this time of year. So they may, you know, and some sellers, some breeders and stuff don't want there to keep snakes, you know, for half a year or whatnot. And I think that's where it gets hairy and people drop prices. And then the whole market eats on itself. It feeds itself. So the fact is that the market is obviously supply and demand, right? Uh-huh. So if someone's willing to pay $10,000 for a snake, then the snake's worth $10,000. <laughs> but the fact is that sometimes someone will come at them and just be like $5,000, and then that person will say, oh, yeah, whatever, like $5,000. Really? Don't. Drop it by no, 5000 Not like, you know, that's just being general. Okay. But, you know, like everything's negotiable into the part where you don't know how many snakes that person has. So you don't really know. Okay. In comparison to the other stuff, what that price is. So it's like you can leverage to the fact that he needs to get rid of some stock because the next breeding season's coming up. Mm-hmm. That might be what's going on here. Got like it. right now, this time in the market, because they're like, oh shit, like we're starting to breed now and we're I'm going to have to get rid of some hold back, some things that I thought I was going to be holding back. And then, you know, oh wait, maybe that's not my best move. So you get some of the holdbacks and, and then people are w- willing to buy. So that's what creates what goes on in the market now. But you can't always, I don't know, it's just always fluctuating. Is that why there's a lot of shows right now and like in the March and um, February time? Because it's tax season and people are wanting to buy? <laughs> uh, yeah, and also it's usually fall and spring. Most of them do a fall and spring schedule. Okay. To the fact that you're going to be, you either don't want to bring your animals out during the winter or you may be breeding certain uh, species of animals so it kind of so like that's why the spring tinley is much smaller is because obviously you're selling all babies that are that just you know, over six months older mm-hmm. so or you're you're essentially selling last year's babies so that one's not as big but october tinley is when you get once that happened in the summer that came in the summer one like babies that were either just recently hatched you know just because the time frame works out better mm-hmm. for breeders but there are some breeders of different species who breed all year round or just breed pretty or they plan to have snakes especially maybe corn snakes there's certain breeders that will cool one room heat others and do it like that so they can always have clutches coming out so, so it doesn't matter what the season is they're controlling it in the room so right And then it's also a market to where the snake gets older and it's worth more. Okay. But I thought babies were more expensive. Am I making that up? Yeah. I'm making that up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the closer you get to breeding age, generally, the more expensive it's going to be. Okay. 
Interesting. And so, but those older ones you can bring out at either, you know, the fall shows or the spring shows because you've had them for a while. The older ones. What do you mean? <laughs> if you want to sell them. You yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like, it's not connected to when they were born. No. Because you've had them for a while. No. And I mean, the main avenue is now. I mean, you're going to do more business online than you are at a show pretty much. What are the top online sources? So like the top sources to get, I believe right now to get wrapped out. I mean, Facebook groups are pretty good, but it can be very crowded. Fauna classifieds are always good. Fauna and Kingsnake, which are like old school forums. Okay. Although those, I mean, technologically are falling way, way, way behind. Really? It's a it's a decent way to get through all the noise that might be a Facebook group. In a Facebook group, sometimes you have people who are selling stuff that, you know, they're trying to kind of sell it locally and it's, they might not produce any snakes. They may not know much about the snake. It's not a very vetted process. It's so anyone, anyone can, can get post on, it. Right, anyone can get so, on there. Yeah, and now I think a big one is Morph Market. So Morph mar- Market's particularly helpful for like ball pythons or corn snakes when you have a lot of different genes going on. So it's just a random filtering system. Not a random filtering system, but you can pick... I want this gene, this gene, and it will show you all the results that carry both of those genes. Oh, okay. I like that. So, you, you know, it's you're not just going through a bunch you're of stuff. You're not looking blindly and having right. to sort through a bunch of stuff that you may or may not be looking for. You get to you go get specifically. Right to okay. But on a website, is there as much negotiating as – is there room for negotiation like there is on, like, a Facebook group or something else? So for me personally, I wouldn't negotiate on anything that's not going to be, you know, multiple animals. Okay. If it's if it's a show on the on Sunday and it's a two day show, and you know they some guys get rid of it. might be looking to to get rid of some snakes or just sell some stuff, then yeah, negotiating on one animal isn't a terrible thing to do. But but most of the time, I'll. I'll take full price or I'll pay full price. Like like the guy who I bought the other snakes from, which I haven't told you what they are yet. Mm-hmm. So I bought them. And the fact is that he had it listed for $700 for one. Okay. And then he said, you know, a straight pay offer for the pair is going to be 1070 So obviously that's a pretty good like deal. Discount, right. Understanding. Because he's selling two at one shot Damn, instead of one. one for seven hundred. Whoa, what did you get? Yeah, so <laughs> that is so obviously like I think that's a good deal. It's a good deal for me, good deal for him. I'll pay that and I'll feel good about that. Done, no negoti- no negotiations. Right. Yeah, and he was pretty firm in the ad too. So you so I knew like everything was good to go. Otherwise I'll see a group of animals. And I'll be like, I'll take five of those and skim some off the top. That's what you would say to him? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the first thing you're going for is, say there's five animals that are $125 each. Okay. I might offer him something like 
100 each. 100 each. Okay. And then feel free to come back and give me... A little bit higher. You know, 110 each. Got it, got it. And then we'll meet somewhere in the middle. Or, you know, some people will post a firm price and they don't... Want to budge? Right. But if, if you're buying multiple animals, you should be able to get a little bit of a discount. So buying in bulk. Sam's. Costco. Yeah. And, like, it's not even... There's some people who do wholesaling who will buy... You know, for pennies on the dollar. As far as they'll pay someone half, they'll buy ten of them, uh-huh. but they'll pay someone half. Right, but, but the person's like, still getting a good I mean, count, if the breeder it's... if the breeder agrees to that, that's what they agree to. I mean, some people hold really strong. I mean, those are people who may not count on their animals for income, so that makes okay. total sense. Some people, you know, need to pay bills, so they might be caught in a vulnerable position and. But as a buyer, if you are buying multiples, there should be you should feel no shame for negotiating. No, I mean there's some. I don't know. It's kind of a judgment call as far as I will buy. Some when I think it's a good price, I will pay full price. No matter even if you're buying multiples. Oh, you just said that. Okay. Not and then if it is like especially something that I know that I may not be able to get elsewhere, maybe it's a thing where there's been certain snakes where i have to buy it then or else it will be sold right this doesn't pertain to like more common species but there may be like a really really nice jungle carpet python and you know just looking at it for that price it's gonna go very quickly there's no negotiating there that you just need there to take the it. market is so much the market demand is so much higher than you know, the supply, because mm-hmm. with that, you're looking at an animal. There's so many jungle carpets, but if it has all the good lineage and it looks amazing and it has a little age on it, because when they're babies, they yellow up as they get older. Okay. So you, they might post, you know, 2014 female mm-hmm. and you're like, holy shit. Like you didn't, they would have, they would have sold that as a baby for 200. And now but they now it, it looks amazing so Mm. it's 400 and someone will easily pay that so you're like i need to get on this so you're like fuck yeah you got to jump on that before (laughs) someone else does or if it's a rare species kind of the same deal so it pretty much is just basic supply and demand as far as that goes okay but it's typical if you're buying multiple that the seller will give you at least some sort of something Right. If they're not like super rare, you know, rare snakes, if they're more common, if, they're, if you're getting... For the for the most part, you're making the breeder's life a lot easier when you're buying multiples, especially if you're shipping something out to where the fact is, how much easier is it to package up five snakes together, ship them out in a little bit bigger of a box, mm-hmm. than shipping out, trying to negotiate with five different people... And shipping those Get out individually. Get PayPal payments, mm-hmm. pay for five separate boxes, which boxes are pretty expensive. They can be you know, like 5 to $10 a box for the insulated boxes. Oh, wow. Because they're styrofoam. Every wall is styrofoam. And then you may need a heat pack. You may need a, a cold pack, depending on where it's going. So there's there's a lot of shipping you Involved. know, costs. So it, is it going to I mean, obviously male and females are different. But say you want to get a male male two males or get a male and a female 
was the buyer going to, or is the seller going to give you probably a different discount or cut it differently versus male, male or male, female? As far as buying in a pair or buying the same sex? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, for the most part, it's not going to make a difference. But for the most part, if you're buying all males, you might just be looking for a cheaper option because females are generally more expensive right. than pretty much all snakes. Okay. So, but they'd still give you a discount depending on, or not depending on, you know, depending which on the ones. person, depending on what you're, it, it's all leverage as far as you have leverage if you're making their life easier. And, <laughs> and if you can pay right there instead of being one of those people who ask for a payment plan on a $200 animal. As a seller, would that bother you to, for someone to have a payment plan? I mean, you're still getting the money. Yes and no, because. They're wanting 30 days, $200, you're feeding that snake. So you're, you're still putting you're money in, into you're it. You're still yeah. in contact with them. You're hoping, you know, they're going to pay me the rest. There's no reason why they may definitely, you know, they may put 25% down and then go ghost on you, which is, you know, I guess that's not the you worst. Still but, got money. but you you could have been selling it that whole time to someone who's, got cash in hand got it, got it. so that's why always if i'm in negotiation i have much more leverage if i'm ready to go and i have cash in hand and i say you know i'm gonna make your life easy gonna give you this 500 dollars straight up okay. you know i'm gonna pay you one time we're gonna get this done i'm not gonna you know hound you for like a million pictures all that stuff i see what i like I, mm-hmm. and we Get it done as far as, you know, I'm trying to make their life easier and it's making my life easier <laughs> because a lot of times there's a lot of tire kickers and stuff like that. There are people who will ask you a million questions before they get it without even ever buying, which is fine. Like, I don't think someone can ask me questions about whatever. I'm not really that concerned. Mm hmm. But it's a hell of a lot easier if someone's just like, I see that. I like that. Mm-hmm. And Can also, when they start asking you those questions, you're expecting them to buy it. You're like, okay, you know, they're really interested. Right. I mean, I see it as kind of just take it as someone's walking into a retail store. And, mm-hmm. you know, the person might ask you, oh, like, what do you? Yeah. What do you think? What is this? Does it have right. this? Does it have that? That kind of stuff. Which is understandable. Yeah, I mean, it's something that they're going to take into their home. and. Yeah, it's a different, if it's a general inquiry to, like, yeah, Very I mean, I don't, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think there's much of a problem with that. If they start wanting, like, uh, 10 belly shots and close-ups and all this other stuff. Then, 10 belly shots. Then, you know, it might be a little bit, a bit of a pain, but I don't. I don't really care. I just like to be straightforward, and I think that helps. God, I mean, I would agree. It's easy. It makes it the more, uh, what's the word, the T word, transparency. The more transparency, the better, I think, in any sort of buying-selling situation. Just be open about it and hope it works out in your favor. Right. Yeah, and... Kind of, I'm not sure, like, for, for payment plans, I don't think I would want to do payment plans for anything under, like, maybe 1000 or maybe Whoa. 500 Why not? I just think if you're ready to 
invest in an animal, I think you should be able to invest 500 straight up or else you or else you may be going on yeah but life. you don't know how many how quick people tend to jump into reptiles and snakes in general and then and then they're just swimming in debt from all over they got payment plans all over the place right and they're not even into it in six months and then, and then where does that go fucked. yeah but a thousand is high I mean, at least to me. No, yeah, but it's also a, the way the snake business works is you're very jaded about what actual money is. As far as, you know, there's ball python guys dropping $50,000 on a snake without, you know, blinking Just right too there, much. Yeah. no payment plan, dropping it. Whoa. Well, I don't know about that. It's <laughs> a, all credit pretty much no matter what. But, but still a big per- making big purchases. Right. Yeah, and so... And I mean, that's got to be, if you're dropping 50 grand or something, I think there's got to be much more of a relationship there already. Between the buyer and the seller? Right. Like, I think that's You wouldn't when just find a random to, person. You need to, in, or you know it's a very top quality breeder, one of the biggest breeders in the game, then you know there's someone trustworthy and you can... I, mean, I think that's in and life. And they you're need not to gonna... know that you're trustworthy too. <laughs> no one wants to drop 50000 on Right, so that's where it becomes much more of a a person who's investing in you. Okay. So they're going to be investing in that snake. And then you have to have that relationship where it's kind of, you have to, the person selling it should help them along and the person buying it should feel free to ask questions because the seller should be invested in, you know, their buyer success. Mm -hmm. Because... You know, everyone should want their customers to do well. In this game, you know, when it's self-perpetuating, you know, it's a pyramid scheme. You want the person under you to do well, be successful, so they feel good about that 50 grand that they they spent. And uh, Evan asked what the topic is today. Oh, so we're just talking about buying and selling and the negotiation process and, like, when to negotiate, how um, all that works and the best places to look for snakes. Um, I was about to ask when you get to the 50,000 range, like is it still okay to negotiate? I feel like I would feel weirder negotiating at that level. Um, is that still a thing once it gets up there? I think uh, it kind of, uh, I don't I just know. Cons- I, I haven't done it. But. <laughs> yeah. You've never dropped 50,000 <laughs> on a snake, but I would think it depends on how hot the project is. If it's, a ball python there's one you know there's three in the world the breeder's keeping two they're selling one I feel like you, you can't you snatch you, that shit you can't negotiate that you right, just gotta be like there's there's 15 other guys that are behind you ready to do trying it trying to get in and then that's also speed to market at that point because you're gonna want to be one of the first people to produce that yeah. particular gene next one right i mean that's not really the game i'm playing but that's just <laughs> That's someone's game, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I would agree. I would feel like once you get to that high level, and no, no, no common snake is going to cost 50000 It's going to be something very special. So, you can't. I, feel like I would feel weird negotiating that and being, like, sne- not sneaky, but just being weird about something that's so special and so rare. You right. just got to kind of do it. But also, $50,000. And then the thing is that 
I think you either the breeder should be on that in that particular case I think the breeder should be stiff on the price because they're gonna say this is what my project's worth you want to know as the seller also that the breeders not gonna drop the price on you that they're not gonna produce 10 of them or 20 of them the next year mm, and make them much cheaper and then make them you paid fifty thousand. Now they're fifteen thousand. I'd be pissed in a year. I'd and then be you're like, very pissed. <laughs> so what happened with like banana ball pythons is they males made males and males okay. breed quicker. And it's an incomplete dominant gene, which means that they pass on the gene. If you breed it to a normal, you get fifty percent bananas, fifty percent normals. Uh-huh. So you're making all males males are breeding very quickly more can keep going supply is going Mm -hmm. on faster than demand is so you go from fifty thousand for that first one to ten thousand and and it goes lower and And it's not like it's three years waiting in between that it's you know something very different with um the palmetto so he i believe he just released males so the fact that you get a male visual palmetto all you can breed it to is a regular female or, you know, whatever female. But the fact is it's not going to be heifer palmetto. Mm-hmm. So you need to produce a heifer palmetto female, raise that up, and then breed those together to get To get visuals. what you want, right. So that keeps the supply low Cause they have and to do the more. demand up mm-hmm. because you're putting, like, five years easily until people are doing visuals. So you're keeping the market pretty good, and then they're not also. They're probably creating a lot of visuals, but they're not flooding the market with it. They're not selling, you know, all the ones that they have. They're they're keeping a stock up so that when that when that becomes a five hundred dollar animal, mm-hmm. every person's gonna be buying that snake. Right. The fact is that it's a little bit high right now. When it gets down to the pet level, everyone's buying that well, why snake. Not? <laughs> Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's the nicest looking snake out there, in my opinion. What did Evan say? He said, if it's a reputable breeder and or friend, I pay what they say or what they ask. The only time I haggle price is at a show. I and feel mostly like not even then. That's understood at a show. I, you know, it's just given. So what would you say is the biggest factor that goes into coming up with the price? Is it the amount of effort, you know, like with the bananas, the amount of effort you have to put in it, the age, the, the rarity? Like what is the biggest factor in coming up? And how well, do he, he mentioned he asked. Oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah. He just asked we if he sees that happening with carpets. And I think that is absolutely happening with carpets as far as. They're starting to get morphs, mm-hmm. so people are going for the more expensive, more expensive, and you know, trying to breed for certain genetics and these things. You know, when money gets involved, I think you see more of a race to the bottom as far as jungle carpet pythons. That's a species; they're line bred, so lines that get better and better each year okay didn't know what that meant but got but it. there's but there's no which means that they're just saying hey this baby's really bright but the its next... dad was bright let's grow this one up and breed them to each other so it takes a while and there's no new genes added like mutations mm-hmm, just the same it's just the same plain old jungle but it's not because it's getting nicer right but, right so jungles can be 
250 for babies year in, year out. Okay. No matter what. Good lineage, even more, $400 for a baby. But it's not like a new morph or something. But it's not a new morph. It's not a new anything. It's they're working harder to make a better product every year and putting Which it out I there. Which is respectable. Right. But now time. there's morphs in like coastal carpet pythons okay. to where there's an albino, there's exanther. There's that. And those are right. all, you know, getting their higher prices because they're, they're rare morphs or things like that. Right. And then you're seeing people race into it. And now they're producing so many albinos. It's slowly getting, you know, it so it's going down the more now you it's produce like around 500. Last year it was like 800. Now it's about 500. It kind of, it makes sense just due to the amount of supply that's coming. I mean, like it, at first there was only a couple now they're just getting more and more. Yeah. So I think that's just a market adjustment, but it's for sure, you know, the same thing's going to happen with any snake that has morphs and it's going to be like that. And there's a bunch of people breeding them and there's potentially money in them. So a lot more people are going to get them just for that fact. It's going to be a decent investment, that kind of thing. So I think you're going to see that in all the species if they have morphs, if they... But there's no jungle carpet morphs right now. There's a zebra. And then there's... Uh, it's sketchy to say because there's this guy, Will Bird, who is creating a jungle morph but not everyone's sure if it's bred out to be a more like like so what you have to do if you have a gene that pops up mm-hmm. you have to breed it to a normal okay you can't keep on breeding it to things that look like it you need to prove it out to where you breed it to a normal and if half look like the mutation and, and half, half look, look normal, normal then that's a truly dominant mm-hmm. gene and then if you hatch out things that look all normal, then you raise the babies, ha- put them to each other. See if one if it pops out, again. then it's recessive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you need to go full out and prove it all out. And I don't think he's gone the extra step to breed it to a normal yet. He just got it one time and it's like, oh, morph. Right, yeah. And I think he has a few of them, but yeah, I think people are sketchy in calling that a morph so quickly. It's interesting. So when did the coastal carpet morph start popping up? Um, honestly, I'm not sure. I think Jaguar was the first coastal carpet, and that must have been like early 2000s. Okay. It's, and then the albino started coming and all that. Yeah, so the albinos popped up in the locality, which is Darwin Carpets, and somehow came from Australia and then ended up here via somehow via the portal <laughs> so <laughs> somehow some... so that's kind of what keeps the carpet market under control is the fact that um there are laws that you can't export from australia so it keeps supply down somewhat somewhat until there's one little leaky <laughs> someone gets through there's a hole in the fence somewhere <laughs> And it falls down the portal and comes here. Comes to America. Yeah, and it usually goes to Europe first and then here. Why are there those laws? Well, Australia sees so many um, ecological disasters because of introduced species. Hmm. It's, It's more of the fact that they should be able to export, just not import. But at this point, they're just banned from doing everything. So, like, what kind of disasters? Meaning, like, the cane toads 
So they introduced cane toads, I believe, to eat something that was eating their crops, something like that. And then they introduced another species to eat those, and then another species. And now just all these species are thriving, but what and if they're not doing what they're, they're they introduce a bunch of species? What like, if you're ex, like you know exporting not to the wild, but to something like this cat you know captive not for a purpose like eating something else just for yourself like i feel like what's you should the, be able to what's the what's the harm in that yeah i just i just think that they don't want a market at all just kill it all so yeah because i mean you still got to deal with so much paperwork and so much bullshit even if you're trying to get from us to europe and back and forth even if you're trying to get to canada you really? Know, yeah, you need to go through like fish and wildlife, all this other stuff to bring animals, even if they're captive bred, you know, over state lines. I did not know that. I thought it was easy. Canada's right there. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you got to be strict on this stuff or else anyone can bring anything. Yeah, I get that. Okay, so back to my other question. Yeah. What's the biggest influencer in the price? Is it what you have to put into it, their age or their rarity? I don't even know if that's how I want to use well, that Well, first word, of but... all, species. So for the for the most part, the most vibrant market is ball pythons. Right. But there seems to be so many genes popping up, whether or not even some that are, you know, very similar to others, stuff like that. So it really depends on how different it is. Well, that's why I said the So like scaleless so. is like, fucking so that's the biggest so different Mm -hmm. you know than anything else out there or if you have something that's like banana it's just pops out yellow Mm -hmm. you know so that's obviously going to just like the wow factor is going to give it a much higher price probably has the biggest influence on the price and And then plus if you had if you had something like the palmetto in ball pythons first one would be 50 grand Whoa. But it was in corn snakes, so the first one was like five grand. Okay. So because uh, just the market's much smaller, people are used to paying you know two hundred dollars a snake for a you know for a big genetic powerhouse snake. Mm-hmm. And the market's pretty much evolved to the fact is I like that. That looks good. Let me buy that. <laughs> Great market. <laughs> Which. It's what it should be because no snake holds any more value. Like, they have zero value. They're all just snakes, right? They they have I mean, value that we put on them. Right. We put this value on them. So, there's no actual value. Okay. That's, yeah. If, if someone's willing to pay money, then that, that is value. But... But I feel like you can say that on anything. Everything has no. You're gonna. We put value on everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I but mean, you can't. This microphone in front of me has no value until I want it. Yeah, but there's a certain cost that it took to produce that microphone. So they're gonna. There's a cost that, that it cost. took to produce the snake. Yeah, but the thing is, you produce that albino corn snake for as much as you produce that palmetto corn snake why is that palmetto corn snake five thousand dollars and the normal but is don't $15. some eat more and some you gotta do no, more i'm shit. talking about mutations okay. now okay. of the same exact same snake. exact one okay. so we're placing that value even though it takes the same amount of money same amount of time same amount of everything to produce that snake those same two right 
but we're making but it's it, just, that one is more special. Right. Yeah, because it's new, so that's where the supply thing comes in. So there's less of these, so they're mm-hmm. more expensive. But there's kind of a cap on the corn snake market. No one's looking to pay. You know, there's not all those people looking to, willing to pay fifty thousand dollars. Why not? Um, I think it was because we kind of got jaded to the fact that you know you can find corn snakes in your just Ryan. In the uh, southeast, you can find corn snakes in your backyard, that kind of thing. Okay, so I'm not going to go pay been, money for and it. And they were, you know, some of the first animals to be captively bred, captively sold, stuff like that. So it's like supply has, you know, gone rampant, you know, throughout the time. People have been breeding them forever. People are kind of just like, eh, when they see them. That's bad. I mean, I'm kind of ass sometimes, so I can't, can't judge other people, but... Do you think it's possible for that to ever change for corn snakes, or they're just always gonna get? Well, it kind of did. Like the scaleless and the palmetto are when those came out are pretty new, and yeah, when those two came out. But that doesn't mean they're. That's just for those two. They're not. Does that? That's not gonna mean someone's gonna pay more for other ones. Well, the fact is that you're gonna put palmetto into these things. You're gonna put these things, make them scaleless. So it's going to boost the whole market. Because you're going to come out with more. But it, it's not going to make it some like money pit where people are going to be investing like they do in ball pythons. Although I'm, there's a lot of ball python breeders and you know random people that have palmettos. Because first of all, it's an awesome looking snake or scaleless. It's good looking snakes. And there's a little bit of money in it. So, so you think ball pythons will always be the highest i think the market will always determine what's the highest right now it's ball pythons but that's partly because they're exotic they have a lot of different they have a lot of different good traits which is you know they just sit in a ball all day you can keep them in pretty small things um they're they're decently easy to get started so i mean it sounds like they're always probably gonna be the most prominent right, that people are doing. Uh, I think it's going to come to the point where their value is held just kind of like corn snakes to where they're going to say, hey, that looks cool. Let me buy that at the pet level, $500 and under. That's where it's slowly coming. To, that's where everything should be. It's a snake. Okay. It's calm the fuck down. You don't have any value stuff. to it. No, no. It's just what I'm saying is it puts too much value in the dollar over the animal. Okay. I'm not saying that it's like bad to sell snakes for money, obviously, but. But um, when does it become you just want to make a lot of money? Right. Because we called this one worth 50000 when it's really not. Yeah, so it's, I don't, it's like an investment thing, so I don't, I don't see people investing, you know, that much money in course things, that's really it. What about hog noses, where do they fall on the, on the line? Um, there's a few cool morphs, where, where that's gonna, like, fall apart is the fact that they're, though the more captive um breeding you do hopefully the better they'll eat so you don't have to scent things anymore you won't have to mess around with you know tuna fish or sardines or mm-hmm. you know dipping pinkies and all different things to scent them up Ew. <laughs> so 
So I think that will, you know, that will definitely, they should be popular. They're small. You can keep them, you know, pretty easily. They're, they're a little bit, they're more temperamental than corn snakes as far as keeping Mm-hmm. Also, like the attitude and stuff. Even though they're they're yeah. pretty slow and like they just bluff a lot and like I don't I think they're pretty good to uh, as pets and stuff like that. I don't see why you know they're interesting looking with the hog nose and everything like that. I don't. Know, I feel like I see them less. I feel like you just see ball pythons right constantly. Which I mean, there's just a lot more genetics going on. So there's really not, there's a good amount in hognose and there's some people who are just absolutely killing it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem to get the attention of higher level people to get it going. I feel like when we are like at shows, like it, it's the person who's selling the corn snakes that is also selling the hognose. I very rarely see like someone selling ball pythons and hognose or ball pythons and corn snakes. They're like doing those two and like, that's it, you know? Yeah. Dev- I mean, people... Those are both, you know, North American colubrids. So people, it's A, um, you have to hibernate those animals. So it fits in with what else they're keeping. If you have to cool down a whole room, heat up a whole room, mm-hmm. it makes it a lot easier to where when you have a lot of different species and you need to put colubrids to 55 degrees in the winter, pythons just get a nighttime drop. It can get too convoluted in what you're trying to do to where you may be doing well for one species and not good for another. So if you just have North American colubrids, then you can drop them and you can be great at just breeding doing that. Those. If you have, you can't keep pythons in the same room in the winter, or, you know, so it really comes down to like people's interests and how and, much effort and changing and all that. And also space wise, you know, if you're just doing it in your closet, you can't, <laughs> keep different temperatures you have to have it all the same right and so it just depends on what they're working with right it also i would say depends on what you if you want to breathe you know for the pet level and more numbers or mm-hmm. so corn snakes are definitely something that people are interested in like the pet market can't even get enough corn snakes really yeah but you know they want the lower the lower level genetic stuff like that for the where, pets yeah you mm-hmm. you have to produce thousands of them and sell them to you know big box stores or pet stores stuff like that right and make you know you make good money still but you may have to crank out too many numbers to where yeah to where it might convolute your passion for it or Cause you know, you're you not get, you're not selling them to like you know distinguished buyers you're selling it to pet smart you know right. a shit ton of pet smart so it right kinda... so you don't it's taken out of your hands once it leaves your facility so it it depends and what i feel most comfortable selling a corn snake i mean they're the definitely the easiest animals to take care of what do, how do you feel about people who do that who their sole thing is just selling a bunch of corn snakes to pet smart like do you think Different no, no, no. Them, there's nothing or... wrong with that. It gets a lot of, you know, attention to people who might not have been in the snakes before, or someone someone buys a corn snake from PetSmart and then they get into all the genes, you know, they get into whatever and then they become 
you know, a snake person. Oh, so it just I think sounds, that's, that's a good gateway. Sounds too. very basic level. Evan, Evan said corn snakes are great feeders too, which is true. Some people breed for, for <laughs> feeders for like your... For your bigger ones? No, for your like blackheads or oh. for your venomous stuff like that. Like a lot of cobras just eat snakes. Wow, that's so, savage. Yeah, I mean, it's got to have... I mean, ball pythons, that's... I mean, there's fucking so many... That just eat the others. That that happens. No, no, as far oh. as, like, some people feed ball pythons, but... Whoa. That's serious. Yeah, it's, like, f- mostly frozen thawed, so... It's just, like, so. feeding a rat, you know? It's the same. Well, is it? It is and it isn't. The because you, you can't say that a, that a snake is better than a rat. I can't. I will. I will you say. Might feel I that will. Way, but, I will definitely hundred percent say a bi- snake is biologically. Than a rat. You can't. You can't have an argument where you're saying you know. One if animal, something can eat it, if something can eat another one, yes, it's better. A snake can catch a rat and eat it, so it's better. But some snakes only eat other snakes. Okay. Well, and then there's always going to be a certain amount of you know snakes that don't make it as far as. Snakes that hatch out, they just never cling on to eating, stuff like that. Why? Well, I don't understand that. Like, that one video we saw the guy having to, like, pry the snake's mouth open and fucking shove the little pinky down its, like, throat. Like, why would any animal not want to eat? That make uh, I don't understand that. Unless they're sick. Like, that that doesn't make sense to well, me. Well, like, he just mentioned that, you know, king cobras in the wild. Mm-hmm. You know, they eat other snakes. So, the fact is that hog nose and mostly eat toads. Okay. Toads, maybe lizards. So we're trying to get them to eat mice. You're so cha- you're changing. So their you're diet. changing what they've done biologically forever. Got it. Got it. And it's much easier for ball pythons. Ball pythons in the wild, they just eat. Um, they eat African softfur rats, so they eat rats in the wild. So that's why they're a little bit easier to get going. Corn snakes can be a little bit difficult sometimes. Most of them will pretty much eat anything. Mm-hmm. But in the wild, they're eating mostly like anoles and little toad stuff like that. Okay. So they kind of, some you'll have to feed them lizards or scent them. In the beginning. Lizards or with tuna, stuff like that. Yeah, so. What was, do you remember the video we watched of the guy stuffing it? Do you remember what that was? Stuffing it? Well, he was. When he was stuffing the rat down the snake's mouth. Oh yeah, he was just. What was what? Do you remember what that kind of snake was? That one was a force was? feed. Oh no, I don't remember exactly what you're talking about. Oh, I just yeah. But that. some people with with corn snakes, it will be a fact of you know some people think that if you force feed that snake, if you assist feed that snake, that it'll want it. That no, it will. You're just passing on genes that of snakes that don't want to eat so so they're saying that they're strengthening the gene pool if you don't force feed those snakes if you just let them die or feed them feed them off so only keep alive ones who want to eat right i mean i don't personally do that but that's sad but you can see where where that's going right what to where if you breed strong eaters necessarily you should get strong, strong eaters, eaters right? It should keep going, but who knows if that's a trait that's passed along? But that's you know they don't all make it a little survival of the fittest, I guess. But it's captivity, so survival of the fittest. But I feel like I feel if like we have the ability it. to help them eat and hopefully they'll right, catch on, you should just try. Never catch on. Well, I still don't. Yeah, that's what I don't get. Like, why would 
how would it not why catch on? Why would they on? not want to eat? It's, yeah, it's that's not the wild. Natural process of life and, is to eat. And maybe in the wild, some don't eat either. I don't know. So you just let it. I feel like my for if it's not eating, no matter how hard I try, I would. I mean, I guess it wouldn't survive in the wild anyway because it's captive born. But I feel like I would try that rather than let it die in my own tub and stuff. I would at least try to let it out in the wild and that's see. the dumbest thing I've ever. Okay. Heard. Thank you. Well, what? You're just going to watch it die in your house? No. After you've tried to feed it and it's just not eating, what are you going to do? What's the next? You have to feed it off or put it in the freezer and sell it at the feeder. Okay. I don't like that either. It's a a fact of of life. Finding a use for it if it's not going to eat. Right. Why not just let it go? Well, because you're putting a captive animal okay. into the wild. I said that. That was my first So, A, it's but... not going to have the immune system for it to stay alive with foreign, you know, pathogens, parasites. It's stuff not going to stay there. alive for you either. Yeah, but that's just you trying to not watch it die <laughs> and letting it die. And it's going to affect, you know, biologically affect things. Plus, I don't want to watch it die. No, if there's no corn snakes, then why would you put a corn snake out there? Because I don't want to watch it die. Yeah, so that's not <laughs> the right thing to do. That's how you get problems. Yeah, so, and, and I have, I assist fed a, uh, a baby ball python one time, and it was, like, way too far gone, but it was, like, the last hope. And it mm-hmm. wasn't mine. It was, like, some kid who used to fucking buy things off Craigslist, stuff like that. And... um so I was like, yeah, I'll help you out. Like, I'll show you how to assist feed it. And, like, finally, after a little while, we ended up getting, like, a pinky down its mouth. Mm-hmm. And then just from the energy it took to digest it. Did it die? stuff like that, it died. <gasps> yeah, just from the like energy Like, mid-eating it? it? No, like, the next day. Because oh, it just, because it wasn't used to having that. It's just so sap, so far gone, dehydrated, and... <sighs> depleted from not eating it was this looked like it probably didn't eat since it came out of an egg really yeah but you know people don't know how to take care of things but also, and they, also they some don't... breeders if you're wholesaling may not even try to feed snakes before they sell them why they just want to get them out not put any effort or money things. into it yeah i don't like that you should i mean i know you're selling it but take care of it for a little bit Ooh, it's just an animal. Like, come on, do a little bit for it. Yeah, but you're coming from the perspective of someone who hasn't been calloused by years of wholesaling snakes or wholesaling animals and not giving a fuck. You'd be surprised who's out there. I guess after time, you're just like, fuck it. It's going to sell. It's their problem, not mine. Yep, and then it's just money. And that's depressing. And I don't like those people. But that happens with any profession that you, you know. Yeah, there's going to be people who are in it either for money or in it or just half assed in it or they fell into the position. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much it. How long do you plan to do this, by the way? Totally different subject. It's different because I've done it my whole life and I'll be doing it my whole life. You want to do it forever? Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, you kind of, you kind of, just start new projects and a certain extent. I don't know what else. I mean, I don't know what else would I do. I don't know. When you're 70 years old, you're still trying to do this? 
when it's like legit, then you do it whether too legit know, to quit. No, you just <laughs> do it whenever the fuck you know. It's just what you do. There's no stopping or starting. It's just what you do. Just like breathing and living. Right. Oh. Just like, I believe it's it's Bill Brand. He sold the gourmet rodent, but which is like a giant, one of the biggest mm-hmm. like wholesaling reptile rodents, and they I think they mostly do leopard geckos to Petco's they were and PetSmart. They were at an RPC Arlington. Yeah. So he sold that. And, you know, he is, you know, 80, I don't know. I don't know how fucking old he is, but he's, he's up there. And, like, the first thing he did was get bored and wanted to start, like, another corn <laughs> really? snake colony. So but now it's, like, more personal. That's just what you do. Now it's from a more personal. Yeah, and Evan said, too, I can't do it anymore as well. <laughs> just so keep going. It's just if you do it, that's just what you do, man. But if you're... I mean, I think your situation's different. If you're someone like we were talking about earlier who does a whole bunch of corn snakes to PetSmart, I don't think that's something you want to do forever. No, I think at some point you want to scale back. It doesn't mean that you won't do it, but you definitely probably want to scale back. That just feels like so not interesting. Just like I mean, that's kind making of making the same stuff over and over. So like it, you know. There's like, you get excited to like find a new type and get this one and like start new projects and do all this. But people who just do the same thing over and over, what's, what's the joy in that? Right. I mean, that's why you have to always be, you know, pushing new boundaries and doing new things and getting new projects. And if you're not interested anymore, then I think you should get out. But the fact is that most of us are always interested. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what would what would change that. There's no amount of money or anything that would get you to stop doing it or really? not care anymore. Even if you got ten million dollars, if I had ten million dollars, you just go then buy I would more. Just, yeah, I would just buy more <laughs> just and create a giant more. facility. <laughs> if it was ten million dollars, then I would build something that like sustains itself, but. No, no. And I would definitely want like a giant, a giant enclosure. Like for my olive python, I would make a fucking giant enclosure. Just for him to go around. Yeah. Otherwise, I would buy a warehouse so I can buy everything. Own every snake. That's all that fucking money. That's all that money. The purpose of money is just to buy more snakes. Right. And I think that's a decent place to be in. I mean, yeah. Some people want to buy more cars. Some people want to do whatever. You just want to buy snakes, which, I mean, you can breed and hopefully one day you make money, Mm -hmm. which is a plus. Yeah. And he said, you know, examples, Bill, like he doesn't need money. You just breed snakes. Is that the doctor guy? Got it. He just does it because he loves it. And then he said, look at Bill Host. Did it into his 90s with Venomous. And, I mean, Bill Haas lived until he was 100. Holy crap. And he, he self-envenomated. Oh, that's that guy you're talking that. about? I don't know how he lived until 100. That we just... have the same birthday, though. Ooh. I know. We're yeah. basically related. Are you blood brothers? Yeah. Venomous. But he was apparently, like, in his 90s, he would, he built, like, a rattlesnake den or something. Like, he dug a fucking hole in the ground and created like a rattlesnake pen when he was, was like he still self-venomating 90. at 
that age? I I don't know. I want to say he was, but I, I have no I idea. I hope not. Like, what's the point at that at that stage in your life? Like, you're going to die any anytime soon. Yeah. I don't know. And where did he live? A lot of people who sell. He lived in Miami. A lot of people wow. who self envenomate believe it's like a fountain of youth. So. Yeah. Maybe he did. He thought he lived to 200? He, no, he said, I will live to 100. And oh, he lived to 100. Damn. He always wanted to live to 100. And, he, and then he just dropped dead. <laughs> no, what happened? No, yeah, I mean, you're old, man. Oh, see, I don't... Yeah. His worst bite was a Gila Monster bite. Mm-hmm. And when did that happen? Which is not, like, not life-threatening, but for him, he went into anaphylactis anaphylaxis in uh, so he had an allergic reaction to Gila venom like he's been was he not self-vitting many... himself yeah but it's a totally no. different venom okay so because it's a lizard mm-hmm. not and, yeah that was like his worst bite was something that was the least toxic he's probably like shucks I should have done lizard venom too yeah <laughs> I don't know I don't, I don't know anything about uh, never heard Gila. I think it's just a, like they're just different proteins. I think it may still be like a hemotoxin, just like a rattlesnake or okay. something else indicative of the range. Of- I just can't see myself ever getting to the point of wanting to do that. But some people are crazy. No, I mean, he, he ran like the Miami Serpentarium. So he did milkings and shows and stuff with venomous snakes. So it just happens sometimes. Show off, you know enclosures to you know it was pretty much like a zoo type of thing so so yeah i mean it it attracts more people if you're that and plus if you love venomous snakes a love i will never have (laughs) i can't ever love something that will hurt me like that one i mean it's really uh there's different reasons people do it i mean i understand if you love it you love it but it's not a love i will have um, speaking of loves of snakes, do we want to talk about the ones you got? I don't know. I think we should. Keep on talking. What? So I can read. <laughs> I need you to talk oh. so I can read. Okay, well, today you got You're four. really good at talking. So. Thanks, I guess. I don't know. Meaning you talk all the time. Yeah, I know. 24 hours Shut a day up. without me saying anything, so. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know more about this stuff, so I try to let you go. Um, but today we got... Four new snakes, three females and one male, little babies, right here in the colony, Texas. I would tell you what they're called, but I don't remember already, so I'll let you say. You didn't hear anything I just said, did you? Well, it just put me on a train of thought. So I wanted to <laughs> talk about whatever you just said, but we got a snow to Sarah, head snow for a Sarah. bunch of stuff. Annery, Red Factor, to Sarah, Heifer, a bunch of stuff. Okati, to Sarah, Heifer, a bunch of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And the last one, that's not four. No, well, there's two two Anneries, one's a Red Factor, one's regular, and then an Okati, and then a Snow. But he was saying that there's a guy who let let himself take a bite from a, a Mamba on YouTube. Well, it wasn't, it was for like some third party, you know, they were doing like a mini documentary on him, whatever. Okay. Um, and he had no reaction? Um, not no reaction. 
he was just kind of i think it it put him out for a little bit he was definitely feeling pain stuff like that but he's he self-envenomates and so he was pretty much trying to advocate for self-envenomation like hey look i got bit by this really intense thing and yeah just... which is like a dick measuring contest i never want to fucking be in like congrats dude <laughs> like, you fucking took a mama bite. apparently survived. he's taking a lot of mama, bit, <laughs> mama bites but yeah that's like being the king of the fucking idiots so oh no our instagram thing we didn't even get to see evan's last comment and you didn't save it but i guess you don't need i don't to. know how to Remember I told you I showed you it lets you do it now? You didn't show me anything. I sent you the but text. Yeah, he, he self-envenomates and took fucking Mamba Bites, which is super cool, I guess. No, you're no, like, you're not. It's a cool it's party cool. trick, dude, but just no. don't get bit by Mambas. No but I one. guess at the same time, I can't judge people for like what they do to themselves. It's not hurting me, but I just, I don't see that as a, like support for that just saying that you got bit and didn't die right yeah i don't think i don't think that's something anyone should care to give an honor to you know like be like oh but that's kind of a thing where who knows mentally what that dude is up to yeah as far as like what's well he's not alive so (laughs) no he is alive oh i thought you were still talking about no i thought you were talking about the guy that are we t- uh, oh, no, this is a different, different guy, person. the one okay. on YouTube. Who, oh, YouTube. Sorry, he's not like on YouTube, but it was, it was on YouTube. Got it, got it. Missed that. Yeah. So does he? He's like the Bill guy, and just yeah. Except Bill Haas is, that's that's like punching Bill Haas in the face <laughs> to say that guy's like Bill Haas. It's a guy who keeps some venomous snakes in his house, self envenomates, and, you know, thinks he's Superman. It's different than someone who worked with venomous snakes their whole life, extracted their whole life, mm-hmm. you know, worked with venomous their whole life, is basically was on the forefront of so many things for venomous keepers and venomous reptiles in general. It's like... It's different. In, it's Yeah, it's, it's comparing Michael Jordan to like the backup point guard for the Suns or something. I don't know. Okay. Generalize it was such a different level. Yeah, no. I mean, do it for a hundred years and do it in the public eye, and then it will be different. Yeah. Hmm. And and Bill Haas, I don't think would ever like let a snake bite him and be like, oh, I did it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Plus, I don't know if there was YouTube back then. Then maybe for Bill Haas. Well, when did he die? Um, he died, I want to say like 2015. So there was YouTube in his later yeah, life. Yeah, but let's be real. But he was old and not using YouTube. Let me see. I want to get exact. But I'm sure the guy on YouTube has, you know, saw, seen about Bill and... Oh, no. He knows everything about him, of course. I mean, that's... Where he died inspired. 2011. Okay. So born December 30th, 1910. Died June fifteenth, two thousand eleven. One thousand one hundred one. No, not mm. almost one hundred one. There you go. There's only you know when you're born December thirtieth. There's only one day left. Yeah. There's Steve Ludwig. He's a guy in the UK who self envenomates for the same purposes. Yeah. Yeah, but kind of like I said, they're more on the side of pseudoscience. 
I mean, it's all on the side of pseudoscience. Yeah, but... so is Bill. Let's not yeah. let's not separate <laughs> him too much. He he still did this like these people are. But I mean, he did do, um, you know, multiple blood transfusions to save people's lives. So which is with awesome. With his own blood. So should the other people crazy. do with their self inflammations Okay, do we want to talk about? Your snakes or save yeah. it? Or yeah, we can talk about it. Can you get off Facebook, please? <laughs> yeah, now I'm just looking at Facebook. Yeah. What? Your snakes. Yeah. How did you decide? Why do you want them? So I want them because I just like how it looks. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like okay. something I would say. <laughs> I thought you I think would have them. pranny. thought you'd have a I much. I like the Sarah's. That's really it. I just like the pattern. I think it's cool. And I got them. Wait, they're Tessera's? Yes. Oh, I call them Tessera. I say it wrong. Uh, you can say it anyway. I, I usually say I feel like you say Tessera because I learned it from But I, I switch on and off. But I've heard most people refer to them as Tessera's. But I think it's Tessera. I like it's, Tessera. Uh, yeah. It sounds Let's much better. It right now. Forever Tessera. Yeah. That's what it's going to be. So basically, uh, Tessera is a is an incomplete dominant, or co-dom, as they like to call in the habe. Mm-hmm. And so I have a female het snow, and then I have a male snow Tessera. So we can make snow t- more snow Tesseras. Put them together, mix yeah. some snows. Uh-huh. Okay. And then your Okatee. So Okatee is a locality, and it's bred because it has very thick black outlines on okay. the spots down the dorsal. So um, Okatee Tessera, that's pretty much it. I just like Okatees in general. And then your other two were Annery what? Annery. Annery Red Factor. Okay. Which is just... Oh, Not a hundred percent sure. Okay, no one's Once watching. Once again, so. I just like the way it looked. Damn it. <laughs> okay. And you're what are your love plans? The way you look. What are your plans for those? Um, they're all females, so. All right. I don't need to be too specific. Just chilling for now. I'm gonna put some good stuff into them. Awesome. Probably uh, some recessive stuff. Make hats. Recessive stuff. You know. Recessive all the stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Male, but I need male visuals because they're not het for the stuff that I want them to be. You know what those things are going to be? Couldn't tell you. They're going to start with P's and S's. Okay. (laughs) I don't know what you're, (sighs) I don't know what you're getting at right now. I want to breed visual palmettos and scaleless. Dang it, those were the two I was going to guess. I should have done it. Yep, and that's going to be that. That's pretty Mm. much it, man. I think that's it on podcast today. Yeah. I'm hungry. Let's make dinner. You weren't talking to the microphone. That's kind of what I was trying to tell you. (sighs) You did, but I was trying to look at you. All right. Okay, so. I'm probably not going to edit that out. Well, (sighs) I'm supposed to say, like, thanks for listening, right? Thanks for listening. If you heard us talking about people on Instagram. And Facebook, because we're live. I don't think people know that. If they're listening to this, they're probably just like, 
what the hell are they talking about? Like, who are they silently talking to? Oh, about you know like Evan. I mean? and, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, we're reading comments on yeah, reading Instagram comments Live. On Instagram and Facebook Live. We don't have an actual time that we go on. If we did, then Probably you would look out for it. Be but better. We don't. <laughs> yeah, definitely be better. But it would definitely make us do it at a certain time every time. And we got shit to do, people. Life happens. Right. So I just put this out every week. Whatever time it happens, it happens. If you want to listen live, you can. If not, catch it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever the hell you're listening to right now. If you got this far, you already know what the fuck you're doing. Uh, Deuces. Yeah, you can be friends with me on Facebook. In the live. In the live. In the live. In the live. Port City Pythons, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you are on social medias. Later.